Good morning, Bridgeway Church family. One good morning. I like that. Um, yeah, if you recognize me, um, it's great to see you here. Welcome back. Um, if uh, my face is new to you, um, it's great to see you here. My name is Michael, and I'll uh, just be leading the worship here this morning. Um, before we get going, I'd like to say a happy Mother's Day to all the wonderful mothers out there. Um, my mother was gracious enough to uh, join me up here on stage this Sunday, and so I uh, thank her for that. She's a great mom. Um, yeah, so happy Mother's Day. I'd like to open us up in a word of scripture, um, with, you know, seating being, uh, I guess, halted a little bit now, but uh, getting to, into the swing of things and uh, all that good stuff happening. Um, I uh, actually found... Um, our first song, Busted Be Your Name, by uh, Matt Redman and uh, Beth Redman. Um, the, uh, the verse, the song is actually uh, the, written about one of the verses it was uh, inspired by. Um, I think it's just, uh, it's just great. It comes from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 10. When you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. I think we can all... Uh, Keep that in our minds as we uh, begin worship this Sunday. So, uh, I invite you to uh, May every mom join, join us, us here today. And, uh, and stand, um, if you're willing and if you're able, and uh, yeah, join us in a time of song. Yeah. 
trading my sorrows I'm trading my shame I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord I'm trading my sickness I'm trading my pain I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord Singing yes Lord, yes Lord, yes, yes Lord Yes Lord, yes Lord, yes, yes Lord Yes Lord, yes Lord, yes, yes Lord, amen but not a crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. I am blessed beyond the curse, for His promise will endure. Joy's gonna be my strength. Though the sorrow may last for the night, its joy comes with the morning. I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord I'm trading my sickness I'm trading my pain I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord Singing yes
His blood has covered my sin. I believe. I believe. My shame is taken away. My pain is healed in His name. I believe. I believe. I'll raise a burdens I'll rise with you I'm dancing on this mountain top just to see your kingdom come my redeemer lives my redeemer lives my redeemer lives my redeemer worshiping with us. May every mom joining us here today feel honored, celebrated, and seen. For moms who are expecting and living in the middle of the joys, the fears, and the curiosity, God is faithful. For mothers with little ones who are living between the beauty of being a mom and the feeling of not doing enough, God is faithful. For moms with teenagers who exist in the push and pull of being too near and not being near enough, God is faithful. For moms in the empty nest who are living in the tension of will they be okay and the honesty of did I do okay, God is faithful. For grandmothers who are living every day with devotion, worry, wisdom, and a lot of praying, God is faithful. So let's make this a day of celebrating mothers and also a day of declaring the faithfulness of God over them. God is faithful to fulfill his promises. He's faithful to make a way where there seems to be no way. He's faithful to be the light when our faith grows dim and 
to be the song when we're too exhausted to sing. God is faithful to love us, carry us, form us, and restore us. And the very same God who has begun this good work in us will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. All because he is faithful. Happy Mother's Day. Well, good morning, Bridgeway Congregation. And good morning to guests and visitors today. We're delighted to have you be a part of our service. So let me just add another Happy Mother's Day. You know, normally I, I like to pick a funny video for, for this. Uh, I know this one was a little more on the serious side, but I just couldn't get past the idea of God's faithfulness. And every time I think of, of my mother, who's no longer with us, but I think of mothers and that word faithfulness. What an attribute of God, that faithfulness. And so I just pray over the mothers and all of you today to just know and experience that incredible faithfulness of God. Well, wasn't that fun to worship together today? So I told Michael that it's Camp Sunday, so you can pull out all the stops and make us clap, clap and have some fun like we do at camp. So, so I know, so Kurt and the other uh, West Bank staff, if some of those songs are old, it's been a few years, okay, since Michael's been at camp, so he might still be remembering the trading my sorrows days, but uh, yeah, we, awesome. It's so, so fun to sing and worship at camp and to worship with all of you, so Welcome. Uh, my name is Don, Don Fraze. I serve here as the transitional pastor. Um, pastor Darren, our lead pastor, will be back with us in July. I just continue to pray for Darren and Chantel and the boys during, during this little bit of leave time that God will just restore and renew them and prepare them for the future. And just to let you know that um, our, our new search committee is at work to find our next youth associate pastor. So we invite you to, to be in prayer about that. Um, it's posted now. If you want to look on our website and see the ad and see the job description, if you're interested, you're welcome to do that. And, but again, please pray with us, and I hope we'll have some good announcements in, come, in the coming weeks of all those applicants that are going to flood in and, and who, God, who God might send us. Well, as I said, it's Camp Sunday, so in a few minutes we're going to hear from them, but let me make sure I remember our announcements. So right after the service today is a lunch for West Bank. So I hope you remember that and that you're prepared. It's a by-donation lunch, but everyone is invited. So even if you're brand new today or you forgot about it, you are welcome to come. We'd love to have you come. So please, right after the service, and, and I'll remember to remind you again at the end. Also, one other deadline, so I'm speaking to action team leaders now. These are all the leaders that lead our various ministries in the church. Um, your reports are due tomorrow for our semi-annual meeting that's coming up on June 11th. So just keep that in mind for all of you procrastinators. You've got later this afternoon, after all your Mother's Day stuff, to cram in your report and send it off to Patricia, get it into the office uh, by tomorrow morning, and that would be great. And again, just that reminder that our semi-annual meeting, which is... Um, Important meeting in our church where all of our leaders for the next year are chosen and blessed and prayed for, um, just so you know that that's coming up and be in prayer about that as well. All right, well, Kurt, why don't you come on up? Kurt is the director of West Bank Bible Camp. One of the first things I learned when I showed up here at Bridgeway just over a year ago was Bridgeway loves their camp. And uh, I just honor and commend you for how much you love and serve your camp and bless your camp. And uh, Kurt, we're delighted to have you here. So, uh, yeah. 
bless you, Kurt started his role recently too. And uh, we're just hearing nothing but good stuff. So God bless you as you serve and work and the busy season's coming. Or it's upon you already, I think. All right. Well, let me give you this. I need a stand Thank you. Too. Oh, you need that too? Okay, sorry. <laughs> all right, well, good morning. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Uh, I'll start off with a quick funny story because it is Mother's Day. Uh, something that my mom always reminds me of or brings up is when I started at camp uh, 11 years ago, I remember like trying to make excuses not to go to camp and not to work at camp. And uh, one of the excuses I told my mom was that, well, I don't really want to work at camp because all the people that go work at camp, they just end up working there forever and they never leave. And uh, I remember my mom just telling me like, well, if the Lord wants you to camp, you should be at camp. And now 11 years later, I'm still here. <laughs> So that's just a funny story. So, yeah, so for those of you who don't know me, my name is Kurt Robertson. I'm the new executive director at West Bank Bible Camp. Uh, and as I just kind of mentioned, I've been there a while now. I've been there since uh, 2012. Me and my wife actually both did the servants and training program back in 2012 together. So, aww. And, uh, yeah, cabin led a couple years and was program director the last seven years and uh, now I'm the new executive director so I'm really excited to be here and share with you this morning a little bit of some exciting updates and things about camp. Uh, so first of all I know in this church a lot of you know a lot about camp but just in case there's anyone that doesn't know about camp I'm going to share just a quick little bit about camp about what we are and well who we are what our mission is. So at West Bank Bible Camp, our mission is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through a safe, nurturing, and exciting camp experience. So the ways that we do this is we provide uh, overnight camps for kids ages 6 and up. So we go age 6 all the way until kids graduate. And then we also have a family camp in the first weekend of July. And we have a 55-plus camp in June. Uh, June 13-14 is our 55-plus camp, if any of you are interested in that. And so what we want to do at camp is we want to create a fun and safe environment for kids to, well, have fun. We do a lot of different activities with the kids. We do different skills. A lot of you know a lot of the skills we do, canoeing, archery, all the classic camp skills. We, we love to, yeah, create a fun experience for the kids. But the reason we do that, the, the purpose for why we exist as a camp is we want to see kids come to know Jesus. We want to see kids' lives changed and uh, saved. Um, at our camp, roughly about 40% of the kids that come, come from unchurched homes. So the opportunity that we have to share the gospel and share the love of Jesus with kids is incredible. It's such an amazing opportunity. Uh, throughout our camps, we do a chapel in the morning and the evening every single day where we get to worship, do these songs with the kids. Uh, Trading My Sorrows is actually my favorite camp song. Uh, during our camp, we do a fun, like, way oh way oh. I saw a few people in the crowd, like, trying to hold it back, wanting to do some uh, actions and whatnot. But that song, I'm just going to talk about it for a second. I love that song. It's, it's such a simple song that has such a simple message for the kids that come to camp that when we choose Jesus, we can trade our sorrows, we can trade our shame, we can trade our sickness, we can trade our pain for the joy of the Lord. It's just such a cool song. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we have an incredible opportunity at camp to share the gospel. And part of what we're looking at this year and kind of 
doing going forward. We're kind of in a new season as a camp. Uh, we see we're kind of in a season of renewal is kind of what we're talking about uh, as staff and as a board is um, we've had a couple tough years uh, since the pandemic, trying to kind of bounce back from that with our camper numbers, with our finances, and even with upkeep of the camp through our facilities and different things. And so something that we're really focusing on this year is how we can invest in the camp, how we can uh, improve our facilities, our buildings, our grounds, but not only that, how we can invest in our staff. Um, we can do all the work we want to to make the kitchen beautiful and the washrooms beautiful and all of our skills really fun to play. But if our staff aren't prepared to share the gospel and love the kids that come to camp, we're doing something wrong. So we're doing, uh, putting a lot of effort into that this year to a lot of cleanup, a lot of facilities, but also investing in our staff. We had a pre-summer staff training is what we called it uh, yesterday and Friday where most of our staff were able to come out and we started doing some spiritual preparation for the summer, going through uh, different things of what are our staff going to start doing over these next eight weeks to prepare spiritually for the summer. Uh, we did a session with uh, Matthew Ritzkis, wherever he is, one of the members of your church. Matthew is our maintenance director, and he taught us, or he helped teach a session on uh, doing devos, teaching kids how do we uh, take what we're learning in our Bibles and create a devotional to share in a cabin and to share in a skill. And we did that with them. And it was a really cool weekend, really encouraging weekend. So we're doing a lot of that to, yeah, try and invest in our staff to make sure they're prepared to share the message of Jesus this summer. Uh, some exciting news that I have on the uh, facilities and ground side of things at camp is uh, we as a camp have been really blessed. We uh, have received a financial partnership from a Christian charity to invest in some capital projects and some uh, equipment around the camp. So some of the things that we're getting is uh, for canoeing, we're getting some all new life jackets and some canoes and some pedal boats. I've been doing this at all my church presentations and people keep laughing at me. But when I try to explain to people what a pedal boat is, I go like this, it's like the boat that you pedal. And then everyone laughs at me. But yeah, it's a pedal boat. Yeah, and we are also looking at rebuilding and replacing a lot of our paintball and laser tag field to make it nicer and funner and safer for the kids that play on it. So we're really excited about that. And one of the most exciting things that we are going to be doing over this next two weeks that Matthew, our maintenance director, is going to be helping head up is we are building a new outdoor sports court for playing basketball and floor hockey, pickleball, for those of you who like pickleball, We'll have a whole bunch of different options that kids can play anytime during the day. Because before we kind of had to play it in our chapel dome with all the chairs and the sound equipment, be careful. But we're going to have a designated outdoor sports court now for kids to play during their games and sports skills or as cabin time bonding. And we're really excited to have that for this summer and for summers to come. So that is, yeah, really exciting. Uh, another project that some of you might be excited about who've... Uh, been to camp is we're renovating our washrooms in the fall to make our washrooms look nice and new. Uh, that is a very exciting thing. So yeah, overall, we are very excited as a camp for, yeah, like I said before, this season of renewal that we're in right now. Like I said, we've had a couple of rough years and we kind of see this as a new season going forward to start building a new foundation under us. A new foundation both in our facilities and also in just the way we do ministry, the way we lead our staff and the way we, yeah, share the gospel.
Um, something that you can be praying for us right now is we're still a little bit short on male cabin leaders this summer. Uh, right now, we're kind of in a position where we might have to start limiting the numbers of male cabin campers that we can have at camp because we don't have enough male cabin leaders. So if you know anyone that might be interested in coming and serving at camp for a couple weeks or even a week, send them my way. I have business cards or you can go on our website and you can uh, have them email, email me or sign up online. But we're looking for more male cabin leaders this summer. So if you know anyone, send my way and I'd appreciate your prayer for that as well for if it's God's will that he'd provide the male cabin leaders that we need. Um, yeah, so... Another thing that is exciting that some of you have already heard that I even shared at the start there is we used to have a servants in training program that uh, last year we renamed to our disciples in training program. And that's something we're doing again this year where it's a three-week program where kids turning 15 this year can come and spend three weeks at camp um, learning what it means to be a disciple. Uh, we have two DIT leaders, uh, Aaron Rampold and Anna Voise, who have been at camp for many years, and they led the program last year. And they're going to be talking to these kids, teaching these kids about what it means to be a disciple, what it means to uh, share your faith, how to share their faith. And they'll do it while serving at camp, both in the camp environment, but also teaching them how to continue living that out and sharing your faith after they leave camp. Uh, we've had so many people over the years go through these programs come back and work at camp, or also start serving in, the, in their church or their community afterwards. And it's a really exciting program that we already have quite a few people signed up for. And yeah, if you know anyone that's uh, turning 15 this year that might, be wa might want to come be a disciple in training, yeah, send them to our website. They can apply there. Uh, and then after disciples in training, we actually have a leaders in training program. Uh, so what that is, it's a program that's designed for anyone that wants to be a staff member at camp. It's kind of like an introductory staff member program, basically, where these leaders in training, LITs, come to our staff training, and then they have a few additional days after where they get trained, and then they get mentored in their first couple weeks serving at camp. So if you know anyone that's turning 16 or older that might want to come be an LIT at camp and start working at camp, uh, you can send them to that as well. So last thing I have to share with you that some of you might be wondering now is how can you support camp? Uh, we have lots of different ways you can support camp that I'll tell you about, but the one that I want to start with is prayer. Um, as a camp, we need prayer. Um, there are so many, yeah, there are so many outside forces and uh, honestly Satan trying to attack camp, attack the ministry of camp that we need prayer. We need protection from those things. So if you want to be praying for us, we actually have something new this year on our website uh, that I'm calling prayer support. So if you want, you can go to our website and you can actually sign up to be praying for us. And what that means is you can put in your email and receive emails, either on a, a monthly basis or I can't remember if it's a bi-weekly basis, where you'll get prayer requests specific for what we need at camp. Different things you can be specifically praying for us as a ministry at camp. So if you'd be interested in receiving those lists of what you can be praying for us, uh, go and sign up on our website. Uh, another important way that you can be supporting us is through volunteering. Uh, two of the key ways that we need volunteers is uh, through cooking in the kitchen. We have lots of amazing cooks and amazing meals that are made in the kitchen that we need more people uh, to help with cooking. And if I remember right, we are still looking for a head cook for junior three. 
So if any of you might be interested or know someone that could maybe come help uh, lead the cooking for Junior 3, uh, you can talk to me. You can also talk to, Becky, uh, talk to Becky Funk about that as well. And yeah, we're looking for cooks. And then the other way that we can, you can help with volunteering is groundskeeping. So all of you that have been to the camp, you've probably seen the camp can look really beautiful when the grass is cut and watered and the flowers are nicely kept. And surprisingly, I found this out a couple years ago, that doesn't just happen on its own. They don't, they don't take care of it. The grass doesn't cut itself. It blew my mind. Uh, there are people, there are lovely, wonderful people that volunteer and help to keep that going. Uh, many of you will have spent many, t uh, many times with Fred and Mary in the past where they uh, yeah, did lots of work for many years to keep, take care of that. And uh, Fred passed away this past year, and Mary is uh, unable to come as well, but she's, she still wants to. She's still going to come and help cook and things. But we're looking for some new people that can help uh, take up that role to help uh, take care of the grounds. And so we have options on our website where you can sign up to even come for a couple days or come for a week and just come and help out take care of the grounds at camp. Uh, along with our needing f need for male cabin leaders, we're also a little short on staff in general that if you want to come volunteer and help take care of the grounds at camp, uh, just let us know. We would love to have uh, help doing that. As well as if there's anybody that wants help with work projects, come talk to me after the service. We've got lots of work projects you can come help with. Uh, one thing that I want to quickly take a note of or let you know about is we had our work day two weeks ago and there was a lot of you out there that I saw and it was, I think, uh, don't quote me on this, but I think it was one of the biggest work days we've had at camp in maybe 10 years. We had about 33, 35 people out and we got a whole bunch of things done. We painted in some buildings, we painted some new garbage cans, got the kitchen all cleaned and there's a lot of other projects we got done as well, and it was, yeah, a really great day. So I just want to thank everyone that came out for that. Uh, the last thing that you guys can do to help support the ministry at camp is through donations. And I just want to stop right here and just quickly take the time to acknowledge this church and thank you guys as a church for the ways that you guys have supported the camp financially over the years. Uh, there's been so much financial blessing from this church and from individuals in this church to support the ministry of camp. So I just want to thank you guys for that. And I know at the start, early in this presentation, I shared about how we received this uh, financial partnership to invest in some capital projects at the camp. But we still are looking for donations to help pay the bills, help pay our staff, and keep the camp going. We have this financial partnership to uh, bless the camp through creating uh, some new, uh, building some new things with their, the sports court and things. But we still have some more vision and plans for these next couple of years. Uh, this is kind of a spoiler for what I'll be talking about in the fall, but we're hoping to be able to build a new climbing wall in the next two years. And that's something we're really excited about. So if you feel that God is calling you to donate to camp, uh, please do, or if you want to talk to me more after the service and hear a bit more of our vision for the future of camp and some of the different projects and things that we're hoping to raise money for going forward, come talk to me after the service. I'd love to talk to you about that and share with you about that. So, yeah, that's all I really have to share with you today. I could probably talk to you for quite a while about uh, the different ways that I'm excited about camp, but I don't want to take up your whole service. So, 
Yeah, I just want to thank you guys for, when I look around this room, I see so many people that have served at camp, whether it's in the kitchen or groundskeeping or volunteering or just people that have come to stop by and, yeah, just visit and be a blessing to camp. There's so many people here that I see that have just poured so much in the camp over the years. I just want to thank you guys, and I look forward to hopefully seeing more of you this summer, and I also look forward to coming back here in the fall and sharing with you the amazing things that God has done at camp. So I just want to thank you again for the opportunity to share with you this morning, and again, if you have any questions or anything you want to talk to me about camp, come talk to me after service or uh, during the lunch as well. So I just have a quick video to show you of camp, and then I guess it's time to go to the next Uh, what a great opportunity you know, watching that video. I haven't been at camp for a number of years, but uh, it's pretty uh, nostalgic. Brought back some memories. Um, again, if you're willing, if you're able, I just invite you to stand once more and uh, worship the Lord with us through song. I stand amazed in the prayer.
Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Sin runs deep, your grace is more, where grace is found, is where you Oh God, 
my one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Thank you for worshiping with us. Thank you, worship team. As you see by the slide, kids, you are now dismissed for Children's Church. And in the spirit of the song we just sang together, let's, let's bow in prayer. Hmm. So Lord, I believe that last song was uh, the cry of many of our hearts the truth and reality of how much we need you. And so, Lord, that's why we pray. It's our way to humble ourselves before you and declare how much we need you. Lord, we know that apart from you, we can do nothing. And yet, Lord, we also believe that in you, all things are possible. And so, Lord, that's why we worship you, because you alone are worthy. So Lord, in our posture of neediness today, we come before you. And Lord, I lift up this congregation to you. I thank you for Bridgeway Community Church and each person that calls this their family, their church home. And Lord, I pray that you will meet people, Holy Spirit, at their deepest point of need, that you will be their hope, that they will find mercy and grace and forgiveness and hope as they cry out to you. Lord, thank you for the generosity in this church. And I pray that you will just continue to show yourself faithful. Lord, I thank you for Kurt today and the uh, other staff and those connected to the camp that are here today. And Lord, we just pray together for uh, the camp ministry this spring and summer. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you will move in power. Lord, for all the needs, for more staff, for you to, to um, just provide for the camp, we just pray together and ask for that provision. And Lord, we also pray for the staff, the, the more staff that needs to come, that you would raise up those people. And Lord, we pray for each camper that will come to camp this summer. Lord, we pray that each camper will experience Jesus, whether that be the first time or in a renewal kind of way. Oh, Lord, may this be an incredible season of fruit for the name of Jesus and for the sake of the kingdom. So, Lord, thank you again that we can gather in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will open up your word to us today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, over the last several months, Pastor Darren and I have been leading you through a series that we've been calling Healthy Church Biblical Church. And uh, one of the lines we keep saying is, is that we would suggest that if a church is biblical, they're probably healthy, and if they're healthy, they're probably biblical. So I think the two go together really well. Now it's interesting, uh, Darren on his, just before Darren went on his leave, I said to him, okay Darren, in my last few months here, I want to be as helpful as I can to you, so make me your list. Wasn't, wasn't too sure he'd take me up on it, but sure enough, he did. 
So I've got a great list from Darren on a, on a great email, things Don can be helpful with in his last season here, which I welcome. Anyway, he also had it on his heart for several of the topics that we'll cover in the next little while. And one of them was where we're going to go today, and that is the whole area of spiritual gifts. Now, I'm going to try to do this over, over a couple weeks. So next week is going to be more of the specifics in terms of, of going through the different lists of spiritual gifts, explaining what some of them are, and trying to sort of answer some of those questions and a lot of the mystique and confusion around what spiritual gifts are. So that's more next week. This week, I want to set more of a foundation, and I want to talk about diversity in gifts. So I want to begin with that, with that word diversity. Does diversity describe the church? Does diversity describe the movement we call Christianity? You know, often Christians aren't seen that way, and, and often there's accus- accusations that we maybe see the opposite. But I would suggest to you that even though Scripture is very clear on calling us to unity, I think that Scripture is also very clear in saying that as followers of Jesus, we are uniquely created, that we are uniquely made, that we are uniquely gifted, and that the beauty of the church is that when diversity isn't stifled, but when diversity is celebrated. Now, I want to start with a quote by famous theologian F.F. Bruce. He said, diversity, not uniformity, is the mark of God's handiwork. It is so in nature and nowhere more so than in Christian community. I believe and I suggest that healthy churches celebrate and don't stifle unity. So when we talk about spiritual gifts, I want to celebrate with you today that we have diverse gifts. And that's not only right, that's good. That was God's intention. Now, in the New Testament of Scripture, the metaphor that is used often to describe the church and also to describe spiritual gifts is the metaphor of the body. And the idea is, is that as we are, as the church or as followers of Jesus, we are one body, one complete body, unified as a body. And yet, that body is made up of thousands, if not millions, of parts. And the metaphor from Scripture is that these many unique parts work together to create the function of the one body. So that's the metaphor, and that's, that's part of some of the Scriptures that we're going to go to today to talk about that. So I want to focus our time on Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 8. So if you want to look that up, I'll also have them on the screen. So let's, let's begin by reading Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, 
do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, I'm suggesting to you in this text today that healthy church or healthy community has a foundation and it has a function. I would suggest to you that a healthy church has the foundation of humility and it has the function of us understanding and learning that we're body parts. But let's start first with the foundation of a healthy church or a healthy community. The foundation of what gives us healthy spiritual gifts within the church, and that's humility. So did you notice that right off the bat in verse 3? Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment. Now, many translations use sober judgment. Um, The translation called NLT, or New Living Translation, says, honest in your evaluation. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. See, being, being one of sober judgment means that you actually have clear and accurate discernment of yourself. Now, a question for you. When you think of others... Do you compare up or do you compare down? Do you know what I mean? Are you the kind of person that when you think of yourself, the first thing you think about is, oh, there's so many other people who are so much smarter than me, so much more gifted than me, so more talented than me, richer than me, whatever, everything better than me. And so often, we don't have a very high view of ourselves because we're always comparing up. But you know, sometimes we also compare down, especially when we want to feel better about ourselves, right? Then it's like, well, you know, I'm a more moral person than those people. I serve a little bit more than those people. I'm involved and think I do spiritual life a little bit better than those people, or whatever it may be. Do we compare up or do we compare down? You see, if we're going to be people of sober judgment, We need to find an accurate way to perceive ourselves, not just based on comparing ourselves to others up or down. It's interesting that in Greek wisdom, one of the lines that sounds oh so simple, but it's a big part of Greek philosophy, is just simply know thyself. To be a healthy, productive person in any parts of life, we need to know ourselves, to have an accurate view of who we are. I love this next quote that's from uh, commentator William Barclay. He says, An honest assessment of our own capabilities, without conceit and without false modesty, is one of the first essentials of a useful life. Hmm, interesting. Now, as you consider this quote, um, you know I use this image quite often, but I would suggest to us today, let's avoid the ditches. Let's stay on the road. And to me, the two ditches that are shown here are conceit and false modesty, both to be avoided to stay on that road of having sober judgment about ourselves, of knowing ourselves. Now, as followers of Jesus, and it's pretty typical in Christian community, we right away get that conceit and arrogance and pride, that's bad. Avoid that, don't want that, that's not the Christian way to be. We get that pretty well. Don't always live it so well, but we get it. However, false modesty isn't something we talk about a lot. But I would say this is incredibly common in Christian community. 
I hear people all the time being like, oh, well, I couldn't really do that. That's not really my gift. I'm not that good at that. Oh, there's others that are so much better than me. And just sometimes I think false modesty is actually a covering up for maybe just unbelief or disobedience. Or we think that false modesty is the opposite of not being conceited or not being proud. I would suggest to you that sober judgment or thinking accurately about herself is not void of confidence. I think it's good to know how we're wired. It's good to know what we're gifted in. It's good to know what we're not gifted in. It's good to know our personality types and our love languages. The work we do to understand ourselves is important, and we can be confident in that. But we avoid the ditches of conceit, of thinking that somehow we've got a corner on how to understand Scripture. We've got a corner on how to live out the Christian life. We've got a corner on how to just do whatever we do in in this setting or in others. We need to have a humble posture. But again, don't fall into the ditch of false humility. Know thyself. Be one of sober judgment. So the foundation of healthy community, the foundation of of seeing spiritual gifts in a healthy way is humility. It's so important that we get that, that kind of posture. Because when we have a posture of humility, we can both receive the gifts that God has for us and we can walk in them well. Walk in them with power and effectiveness. Again, not in a false modesty way, not in an arrogant way, but in a way that's productive in the kingdom. So keep that strong as a foundation. And like the Greeks say, know thyself. Be one of sober judgment. Now the rest of this text starts to list how the body works, and some of the spiritual gifts. And so, as I said earlier, the foundation of healthy community, healthy church, is humility, but the function, the function of healthy church or healthy community, healthy gifts, is that we understand that we are body parts. You are a body part, okay? Get that embedded into your mind. And what part of the body are you? Now, just looking, looking back at, uh, pick it up at verse 4 again. Um, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, as you notice that list of gifts there, and let me just say, I'm kind of going into next week here, but there's, there's several gift lists in Scripture. None of them are meant to be exclusive, The biblical writers aren't competing over who has the right list or the best list. For the most part, they're giving examples of gifts. There's probably more than than all the ones that are listed there. But anyway, there are several texts that show different kinds of gifts, and we'll we'll get to some of those texts next week. Now, sometimes those gift lists 
are a little bit more on the, around what seems to be positions or offices within the church community. So sort of the ones that talk about he gave some to be apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and that kind of one. And then there's other lists that seem to list gifts more in a way that almost seems like, like they're talents or, or special abilities people have. And some of those can be very, very practical as in like helps and service and so on, and some of them perhaps more in the areas of leadership. And then there seems to be gift lists that are a little bit more perhaps what we might call the sign gifts or the supernatural gifts, and those are often the most controversial ones. But there are lots of different spiritual gifts. But for this morning, we're just going to look at this list that we see in Romans chapter 12. And I'm just wondering, how does this list hit you right off? Doesn't it seem kind of random? why um, the author of Romans here chose to pick those ones out to illustrate. Hmm. Does it seem from that list that perhaps some of these gifts are more important, more prominent, more recognized? Are there some gifts that we might think are maybe the more important gifts? Why these gifts? Now, before I kind of come back to that, I'm going I'm to do a, a little bit of an aside here and do some sh- shameless, shameless promotion. Are you ready? Anyway, there, there's three gifts in this list that popped out to me. And those three are serving, encouragement, and mercy. Serving, encouragement, and mercy. And as I thought about those gifts, I thought of so many people And often people who perhaps don't get lots of recognition or who wouldn't be in an official leadership position or that kind of thing, but they flourish in these gifts and they are beautiful body parts. The other thing I thought of though, and here's where the shameless promotion comes in, the other thing I thought about was our deacons. And you know, from what I understand, Bridgeway has had deacons for many years. And when you think of the ministry of deacons, there's probably no three gifts more important and prominent to serving as a deacon than these ones. Serving, encouragement, and mercy. Now, if you've grown up in church, you have a, in your mind what a deacon is. If you are newer to church, that might sound like a really weird word to use. But basically, deacon is an old, old word, first used way back in scripture, to describe a group of people that were specifically recruited by the early apostles to help with the serving of tables and help with the serving and care ministry within the church body. So so the pastors and the apostles and the teachers could focus on that side of the ministry. The deacons were called to be a part of the serving ministry. So that's kind kind of the origin. But here's the problem with deacons. If you've grown up in church, my guess is you have a certain mystique about deacons. You probably think that deacons are old. You probably think that deacons are like these super, super spiritual people who are just just so amazing and gifted that only they would be anointed and blessed as deacons. Okay, I'm really exaggerating. But I think there's a mystique in the church that deacons have to be old or super, super spiritual or super, super gifted. And we don't understand that primarily deacons are servants. Servants who show encouragement and mercy, who care for people, 
And it's a beautiful thing. So this is, what I, this is an observation I've made here. When I look at our present deacons, and I know they won't be offended for, by me saying this, but our present deacons are quite a bit older. And, and guess what they say to me? We would love to have more deacons and younger deacons join us to serve together. And I go right on. And I say to them, we have to break the mystique. Because I guarantee that any of you under 50, you think deacons got to be old and super spiritual and all the other things I said before. But can I encourage you? If you're someone and your spiritual gifts might be serving, encouragement, and mercy, have we got a ministry for you? Working with some other beautiful, mature people who would love to serve alongside you. You know, we've been working at trying to take the deacon job description, which used to be like this, meaning care for all the people in the church. No wonder no one wants to sign up for that. That just sounds so overwhelming. How do you do that? But we've been, Darren and I have been working on this and, and with the deacons somewhat to try to narrow that down to be more strategic in terms of how we'll do care ministry in the church. So deacons primarily, and this is the stuff you see them do, you see them preparing communion, they serve with funerals, they do a wonderful lunch um, pre-funeral for families as a way to bless them. I've seen that be such an incredible encouragement to families. So they serve and minister in that way, but they also um, visit our homes and those in hospitals and also try to assist the pastors in terms of, of some of the more crisis um, visitation. So that would be just in a nutshell what, what deacons would do. But I think there's a lot of you in this room, young or old, that these are your gifts to care for people, to, to visit people, to have mercy for people, to encourage people. And you could do that in so many ways. And you know, we want to see a leader from the deacons arise, and we're, we're praying for this, so if the Holy Spirit's prompting you, prompting you here, we would love to see a leader of the deacons who wants to work together with ministry team so that we can strategize more how men's ministry, women's ministry, family ministry, senior moments and youth ministries can work together and collaborate so that we can do a much better job of doing care ministry in the church. And so again, we're not looking for people to do it all. We're looking for people to offer these spiritual gifts and then work in collaboration with others to see our care ministry take off. So that was a really long um, promotion there, sorry. But I just want to encourage you, if those are your gifts, come forward to any of us leaders and say, hey, I might want to serve as a deacon. And we'd love to walk you through that and, and have, you, have you join that team. So, have to come back now to where I was. So, I was talking about all of us are body parts because we all have different gifts. And then, again, looking at this list of gifts that's in this passage and wondering aloud why these gifts... And is there, is there a hierarchy of gifts? Are there gifts that are more important than others? How do we view them? Now, I've got another illustration for you, but I have to give you just a bit of context so that the illustration makes sense to you. Because the illustration is going to refer to something called the Reformation. Now, about 500 years ago, it's one of the key points in Christian history, was something called the Protestant Reformation. And it was just over 500 years ago that you might have heard the name Martin Luther. There's some other famous reformers too. But these were priests in the church that kind of saw the corruption and saw um, what was going wrong in the church. And so they began to stand up for it. And, and a lot of those key leaders ended up creating such a stir that basically the church split at that point. And that's when the Protestant or the, pro the protesters and the Protestant church sounded. 
started. And that's where our roots would come from. So if you don't know, this is a Mennonite Brethren Church. Our founder was a man named Menno Simons, who also was a Catholic priest, who was another one of these reformers that then led a group of people through a reformation process in the church. So that, this was a huge event that happened about 500 years ago, and there was huge, huge change in the church. Now, I could bore you to tears with all the theological changes. Probably the main one that might be of interest to you is something called sola scripture. That comes from the Reformation. And sola scripture means solo scripture or scripture only. And so a big part of the reformers was rather than our faith being built on tradition and all the other things that had happened in the church, no, our faith and our practice is built on only scripture. And that was, that was a, one of the big mantras of the Reformation. But beyond doctrinal types of things, there was lots of things of practice that changed in the church because of the Reformation. So with that background... And I want to read you this quote from a great little book I read a while ago called The Liturgy of the Ordinary. And the author says this, The Reformation toppled a vocational hierarchy that had placed monks, nuns, and priests at the top and everyone else below. The Reformers taught that a farmer may worship God by being a good farmer and that a parent changing diapers could be as near to Jesus as the Pope. This was scandal. Isn't that good? I, I love this quote. You know, a big part of the Protestant Reformation was something called the priesthood of all believers. And what, what that, the understanding of that from Scripture is, is that all followers of Jesus, in a sense, are priests because we're all gifted, we're all empowered by the Spirit, and we're all called to serve the kingdom. That was... A big, a, again, another big, big part of the Reformation. Now, as you consider this quote, and as we walk into scandal here for a moment, let me ask you, in the church today, is there a vocational hierarchy? Now, maybe we don't have monks, nuns, and priests, but is there a vocational hierarchy in the church? Is there a vocational hierarchy when it comes to spiritual gifts? Why do certain gifts get elevated or celebrated more than others? Now, you may all have your stories. Um, I'll tell you a little bit, of, little bit of my experience. You know, so as, as a young man growing up in the church, um, and then even in my Bible school years, in my formative young adult years, I would have got the message quite strongly that if you really want to be spiritual... If you really sell out for God, if you're really going to do something for the kingdom, then you're probably going to be a missionary or a pastor or something like that. And I got that message really strongly. Now, I'm not saying that anyone sat me down and <laughs> said, you have to believe this. I'm just saying it was what was caught by what was kind of said and what was promoted and what was elevated, what was thought of being as important. And you very seldom heard, at least back in my day, that someone's vocation might connect or might not connect to their spiritual gifts, and their gifts in the kingdom are just as much equal and credible body parts as any of the ones that we might call vocational ministry. So I experienced some of that. Another, another way I've experienced this, um, I, I've spent a lot of years being a worship pastor. And in that role as worship pastor, it's just very common how 
the worship ministry kind of becomes one of those in-the-spotlight kind of ministries. And I'm astounded by how as soon as a ministry in the church involves holding a microphone, something changes in terms of how important that is or how elevated that is or how much people want to do that. And it, it just kind of, at times, as I've served in that ministry, I've seen that ministry seem to have this higher kind of thing. Or, or anybody that's in a leadership position in the church, often it's like, okay, those are the important gifts, those leaders. And yet how often do we talk about back to those gifts of serving and encouragement and mercy? They're in the same list, if you notice, with leaders. Hmm. How does this happen? I'll tell you one story about a good friend of mine. And this is, this is someone that I have so much respect for that their struggle kind of just discourages me at times. Well, let me tell you what I mean. This friend of mine became a Christian in his early 40s, and he found Jesus through AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, and through a great church that discipled him. And his life turned around and transformed, and he's just an amazing individual that I have a lot of respect for. Well, he was a business owner, pretty busy guy, single at the time, and he owned his home, plus he had another rental property. What he decided to do was, was that he invited um, other single young men to that were struggling with addictions to live in his house with him, and even did that in his other rental property, and then he would lead kind of groups with them to just help them and mentor them, and, and he did this for years, and I would just... I would just be in awe of, wow, you, like, his spiritual gifts in terms of generosity, um, mercy, heart for the broken, heart to see people recover, um, and just to share his faith um, in, in those, it was beautiful, and I, and I loved it. Well, here's the sad part of the story. As he got more into church, he started to learn that, um, oh, getting a leadership position is something that I would really be attracted to because that would get me some position or some respect in the church. And even though he was doing this incredible ministry, all of a sudden he started to be almost messed up by, I need to find a position in the church. And then he saw the worship team up there. And he thought, oh man, I want to be on a worship team. Like, you know, that's cool. That's, that's where the real ministry happens. If I, could, if I could get on a worship team, then I would really be serving Jesus. And I would hear him share these things with me, and my heart would be broken because I'd be saying to him, the ministry that you're doing in broken people's lives is so amazing and beautiful, and that's your gifts. Why are you aspiring to something that isn't your gifts? You know, and that's so hard. I'll be, I'll be a little bit, little bit honest here as a, as a former worship pastor. Probably the hardest conversations I've ever had to have with people is people who just love music and love singing. And yet, sadly, they can't. And so then I have to have the conversation and say, well, we, we want people to serve in their gifting, and I know you love singing, but if that's not your gift, maybe you should serve in a different ministry. And, and again, that can be really hard. But that's, that's a part of us finding our gifts. Gifts aren't doing what we like, necessarily, although I hope that what we're gifted in brings a lot of fulfillment. But gifts are 
what the Spirit enables us and, and what our natural abilities give us in order to use those abilities and those gifts to serve. And so anyway, I've kind of gone all, all over the place here on you, but I just wanted to tell you about my friend because I just, again, I so celebrated what his gifts are, and yet somehow, because of this vocational hierarchy I so often see in the church, he thought that being on stage and being a leader and getting recognition, that would really be spiritual and had no idea that the impact he was having on, in my humble opinion, <laughs> was way more than how I feel as a pastor. Seeing broken people be transformed in their lives, wow, that's impressive to me. Anyway, so as I, as I close this today, I want to come back again to this idea that we are all body parts. And every one of us a unique diverse body part that is desperately needed in the body of Christ and specifically in this part of the body of Christ we call Bridgeway. Your gifts are not only important, your gifts are needed. If we have a gift and we're reluctant to use that gift, it's kind of like the body having a body part that's reluctant to function. We don't function well. So I want you to think about that for a moment. I'm going to close by just reading the text you see. It's not going to be on the screen. Did that on purpose. If you want to follow along, that's great. If you want to look it up on your own, 1 Corinthians 12. But I just kind of want you to listen. Kind of like a bit of a story. But this is the metaphor I talked about, about the body and being body parts. So listen as I read it. Just as a body, though one, has many parts... But all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, would it not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be the weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. So I call you and challenge you today, Bridgeway Congregation, to rise up and be your body part.
Stop comparing yourself to others. Avoid the false modesty of, oh, mine's not that important or matters. And rise up and function in the body part that God has created you to be. So my final response word to you today is a word that I've just felt the Spirit prompting me to say a lot lately. So sorry, here it is again. But here's the word. It's the word risk. And I think for a lot of you in this room, you have a pretty good idea of what your strengths, gifts, spiritual gifts are. I would ask you to risk to step up and engage in those gifts. There's also some of you in this room that probably feel, I'm not sure what my spiritual gifts are, and that's okay. I would encourage you to risk to discover, and I hope that this message and next week and us talking about this over the next couple weeks, that we can encourage some tools even for you to use to help you discover what your gifts may be. But I call you church. Let's be a body part. Let's see this church be healthy and let's see this church do the amazing ministry that I just see budding with potential around here. That is God's heart for you but we need to function together as a body. So may you hear the Spirit and may you step out and risk. Let's pray. Ask the worship team if they'll come. Oh Lord, I pray that your, your word, the scripture that I read today, I pray that that would penetrate hearts and minds today. Lord, any of the dribble of dawn or anything I've said that could be hurtful to anyone, Lord, forgive me. I didn't mean to hurt anyone. But Lord, um, I don't want anyone to feel scolded or anything like that. But Lord, we want your spirit to be the one that inspires us, that moves us, that shows us who we are and the body part we're called to be in the body. So I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and pour out and bring clarity. Bring clarity to your word and bring clarity in each soul and spirit that is discerning with you right now. And oh Lord, may you raise up this body. Raise up each person here to be fulfilled in that very gift and service that you've given them. So this I ask and this I pray for in Jesus' name, amen. of grace is Jesus my Redeemer there is no more for heaven now to give he is my joy my righteousness and freedom my steadfast love my deep and boundless peace to this I hope, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to His. 
Oh, how strange and divine I can sing All is mine, yet not I But through Christ in me A night is dark But I am not forsaken For by my side the Savior, He will stay. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing. For in my need, His power is displayed. To this I hope, my shepherd will defend me. Through the deepest valley He will lead. Oh, the night has been won, and I shall overcome, yet not I, but through Christ in sure the price it has been paid for Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon and he was raised to overthrow the grave to this I
Yet not I, but through Christ in me. Why don't you just be seated for a moment? I just have a, a couple invitations before we uh, head off to lunch. So that's the first one. Uh, today, right after the service, is a donation lunch um, to West Bank Bible Camp. So we would love for all of you to stay. And like I said at the beginning, even if you just heard about it this morning, you are more than welcome. We'd love to have you stay. So that, that will be immediately following here. If you're new to the building, head out that way and head down the stairs. And that's where we will eat together. And I've been smelling that yummy food all morning. It's going to be great. Second invitation is uh, to all the mums and to all the adult women here today. We want to bless all of you. And so some gifted and generous people have made some beautiful uh, bookmarks. And uh, they're going to be at the doors uh, handing those out to you as you leave. So, blessings on your day. May you know the filling of the Spirit and the joy in serving in your gifts. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace. To this I hope, my hope is only Jesus. All the glory evermore to Him. When the race is complete, still my lips shall